Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to a very special edition of the Steam Cleaners podcast. Last week, if you joined us, uh, you learned alongside myself that Walter C.A.D.'s Fedchuck, my lovely co-host, does not like twin-stick shooters, uh, while you also got to hear me go on quite a big rant about Marvel Snap's pay model, only for them to immediately change the card acquisition system, like, the day after we recorded. But you know what? We're not talking about either of those things this week, are we, my lovely co-host, Walter Fetchuk? We are absolutely not. Uh, I, you know, if I wasn't going to put more time into Weird West over the, like, three, four weeks that I potentially had with it, I, I man, and I feel so bad, like, that I'm so negative about it because I don't think it's a, just a bad game. I just don't think it's a game for me. Uh, yeah, there was no way I was going to spend any time of it when I didn't have to play it for a podcast. And considering the game that I'm going to be talking about now has taken up pretty much all of my time now that the uh, League of Legends ranked season has ended, I wouldn't have had time to play it. So it's probably for the best that we leave it in the past. That is very fair. But we are going to, as we leave that in the past, we bring something else with us, Walter. Or shall I say, someone else. Our lovely guest this week, Kristen Pinolo. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very excited to, to talk some games. Yes, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, those of you who have listened uh, often enough may be able to guess that Kristen and I have played the same game. But Walter, Ooh. I believe you've played a different game this time around. Yes, my what uh, have you been playing? <laughs> my chosen crack uh, for this week's episode is uh, is the Amazon MMO New World uh, Fresh Start Servers. We, uh, me and a, a buddy and one of his co-workers decided that we wanted to hop in on the Fresh World servers. Um, hopefully that some of the things that had bugged us when we had first played it, probably eight months ago, um, had been fixed. And, uh, you know, I, this isn't going to sound like a lot of time to some people, but given my kind of like busy life schedule, uh, I put in 20 hours in the last two weeks. Um, so it, it's, I'm, I'm kind of having the, the dts here because i haven't played it in two days and i guarantee after we're done i'm gonna i'm gonna play it for like at least an hour before i go to bed well there you go if you got the itch that has to be a good sign right so what's what's drawn you to it so far so here's the weird thing i am not an mmo person like notor i i i'm not gonna say i hate wow but the couple of times that i've tried to play wow i just haven't gotten into it i haven't understood the appeal um and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to play Final Fantasy. I've never gotten into the Final Fantasy series. It's really far away from, like, anything that I'm even remotely interested to. So I'm never going to play Final Fantasy fourteen. But with my friend group, we had done this thing over the course of the pandemic of getting together on Monday nights and playing different games together. And it started with because I wanted to try uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. So we played through that, through like the free part, part of that before you had to get the expansions. And we had a lot of fun with it. And then we were like, what do we want to try next? And one of my buddies was like, well, I've been playing New World lately, kind of right when it came out. Why don't we try playing New World? Um, so we played it for a bit. I would say over the course of like a month or two, we probably put close to 20 hours into it, but it kind of tailed off. It kind of faded away because our one friend already had like max level the character and 
was kind of waiting for myself and other former guests of the podcast, my brother Alex, uh, to sort of catch up to him. And eventually it just kind of like faded away and we didn't want to play it. But when we were talking about it and talking about the fact that they were making all these fixes and they were doing these fresh start servers, I was like, you know what? I actually enjoyed playing New World. Not necessarily because of the gameplay, not necessarily because of the story or like anything like that, because it's a pretty standard like high adventure fantasy kind of story. It was because of the the resource gathering skills. Chase, you remember when I had that itch a while ago and I played Minecraft? Yeah, that hit indie game, yeah, Minecraft. Minecraft. Little known. Really wow. gave it a nice platform. I haven't even heard of it. Really? Yeah, I know. It's it's bizarre. But you know how I talked about in that episode, like, how nice it was to just, like, go and chop a bunch of trees. Well, guess mm. who has level 100 logging skill in fucking New World after playing it for two weeks? <laughs> you, you're, you're a classic lumberjack now. Congratulations. I, I am. The first day that we played, we had been waiting for his coworker, uh, my buddy's coworker, to get on. And we had done a few of the, the main quest missions and we were waiting for him to catch up. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go and I'm going to go chop down trees until this guy catches up to me. And literally chop trees for like an hour and a half while he caught up and got to level 50. And I was just like, this is just so relaxing. It's so enjoyable. I just sit here. I press one button. I watch an animation for 10 seconds. And then I move on to the next tree. And there is something so engrossing and just zen-like about going around the the last couple of times that i played it this week i haven't played with friends so i haven't advanced the main quest the majority of what i've been doing is i've been pulling up a map on google images of like you know best iron route in this zone and i've literally just been going on a loop mining iron picking hemp uh, you know, picking a variety of other, uh, you know, herbs and, and remedies and things like that. Chopping trees, hunting, you know, wolves or deer or whatever. And just like zoning out for like three hours in the, you know, the the South Park World of Warcraft, you know, typical like lean back, mouth open, just like uh, zoned out kind of way. And it's weird that something so simple has just been so engrossing and enjoyable to me. So let's, I guess let's kind of get a sense of, it's an MMO ultimately, right? So how does the crafting system interact with those kinds of multiplayer elements? Because there are certainly a lot of games, I think Yahtzee calls them dad games nowadays, and I, I tend to agree with that kind of assessment where it's all about getting into that groove, that rhythm, you know, doing a task over and over and kind of perfecting it, which it sounds like you're speaking to here, but it doesn't sound very MMO to me so far. So that's because I'm ignoring the MMO parts of it. <laughs> Other than when some asshole like interrupts the route that I'm doing and like I can see the next iron vein that I'm headed to and some like random asshole runs by and is like, ooh, iron. And then like, you know, takes the iron away from me and I'm like, bro, what are you doing? That's my iron. Like I can see it from here. I'm in the middle of something else, but like, come on, dude. Um, In terms of an MMO, so there is like, there is a questing system. There is a main story of quests and you kind of progress from area to area and do the main story quest. And then there is a variety of side quests 
uh, that are also around. Um, there are also different factions that you can join that are in the game itself. But then there are what they call companies, but are like the clans that you would think of in something like WoW or, or um, you know, some other kind of MMO. And part of the interaction of that is that like certain companies will own certain areas of the map. And if you're a member of that company, you get like experience bonuses and to craft items costs a little bit less and to trade items costs a little bit less. And then there are like wars that occur um, in the world once you get to like the level cap, which I am not close to yet. Um, that occur between the different companies as they try to take over different parts of the land. The same thing happens with the actual interstory factions, where once you join a faction, there are quests for that faction. There are PvE, you know, player versus everything quests, but then there are also PvP quests where you have to mark yourself as eligible for PvPing, and you would do these quests, and other factions can obviously get in your way and can attack you and can fight you. There is like a dueling system so you can duel between friends and i've dueled with one of my buddies a couple of times to you know my chagrin that i'm not very good at the game in terms of the actual fighting another player um so all the pieces for like an mmo are there um i just haven't gotten yet to like the rating to the dungeon running to the your max level and now you're running the same content over and over and over and over again to try and get the one piece of gear that you know is an improvement for you that builds you up more. And that is definitely where when I've played WoW the couple of expansions and I've tried it, that's where all of a sudden the the experience stops. Um I know that when I played WoW Legion, I really did enjoy all the questing and hanging out in a Discord with my buddies and just shooting the shit while we were just running around the map. It was the first time that I ever joined them on a raid night that I ended the raid and I asked my brother, I'm like, yo, how much time, like a week do you put in just to raid, you know, two nights a week? And he says, oh, like all the prep and the practice, it's like six hours, you know, six to eight hours a week that I'm outside of raid night preparing just so I can raid. And as someone who had a full-time job and a relationship and, uh, you know, outside of video game hobbies, I was like, yeah, I can't fucking do that. And I stopped playing WoW. So I am sure... That at some point when I hit kind of that line of like, cool, now you're going to run the same dungeons over and over again for the next 30 years. That's probably when I'll eventually put this game down. Or if I find something else to sort of fill my time, because right now this is sort of, I I remember I talked about with um, Valhalla. I talked about how I sort of will run like two games at once. I'll have the game where it's like, I'm just a killing time game, something like League where I'm like, oh, I can always just hop into this and just like, you know, grind out a couple hours and, you know, while I'm doing chores or whatever. And then there's usually another game where it's something, I'm playing something for the podcast. I'm playing, you know, gear, uh, I'm playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's something that's like 60 hours, 70 hours long that, you know, I want to be able to sit down for a good solid, you know, four or five hours at a time to play through chunks of it. And New World feels like it's going to be that replacement for League for a little while where it's something that I'll hop on for a few hours, you know, after work where I don't want to use my brain and I'll just kind of do some of the side questing. I'll do some of this resource gathering and, you know, I'll just kind of veg and and zone out and relax for a little while. You know, I I do want to hear more about the game, but I am curious, Kristen, if you have 
a veg out game in your life like that right now? Ooh, because, man. you know, like not the main game, because we're going to talk about the main game you've been playing, but like yeah. that kind of, I've got an hour or two and I don't really want to think or focus on whatever that main game is. For me, that's been Marvel Snap or Legends of Runeterra mm -hmm. because I am the card game guy here on this podcast. But I'm curious if you have something in that niche. Ooh, there are a few games like that for me. Um, for an hour, that's a toughie. I'll say, like, in the past, it's been, like, Darkest Dungeon, Stardew Valley, obviously, Enter mm -hmm. the Gungeon, um, more recently, Slay the Spire. Nice. By, by recently, I say in the past couple of years. <laughs> um, but those are... Those are the games that, like, I can, it's, it's been years since I played some of those games. I could go right back to them, burn an hour, um, and just feel like I didn't leave and just get into that repetition and that gameplay loop and find it very um, satisfying. Yeah, it's, there's something really nice about finding a, a game that can be that kind of comfort game if you will there's a predictable sequence you're gonna follow um, without having to necessarily invest the kind of time that you're talking about walter that like the raids and everything take on because chris and i have a mutual friend who does that and it sure does sound like a lot that's um, a lot of time and um that's a lot of work too oh my goodness oh wow now you talked about the faction side of things and i'm, I'm curious where the like story and world building is because i'm on the wikipedia page and i will tell you that the setting is one sentence long <laughs> so it doesn't feel like 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 what have you been able to pick up from your adventure so far so the crazy thing is that with these fresh start worlds they sort of rebuilt kind of the story um not not like super drastically like it's not a brand brand new story but they kind of rewrote some of the motivation of like the, the main enemy and sort of things like that. Um, the, the best that I can like describe it as is that you are a, a person of destiny that um, you crash onto this island and you have been afflicted with the voice of the corruption. And the corruption is this... Um, this entity, this mystic kind of force that's going around the land that is controlling the enemies, be it pirates, be it undead, be it skeleton warriors, um, sort of things like that. And I, I think it was that the ship you were on was bringing the like leader of the corrupted, this like final piece of their puzzle to control uh, Eternum Island and, of course, then from there on the rest of the world and that you have somehow interfered with that and you have the powers inside you or something like that. I'm not really quite sure because I don't feel like we're that deep into kind of the main quest. Um, but that's sort of what's going on here. And, and right now we've sort of, uh, where me and my friends are at, we've sort of progressed to our second kind of main area hub um, in the first hub, it was, the story was talking about how there was this um, lost heir to the, the, I don't know if I want to call it kingdom, but to the ruling party of the area. 
and that there was this minister that was, you know, had found the heir and was, you know, preparing them for their coronation. And you uncover that actually the minister and this lost heir have now been corrupted, you know, have now been corrupted essentially and are now villains. And the, the culmination of this sort of like tutorial area is that you have to go and you have to um, prove one, prove what the minister is doing. And then you have to confront them fight and kill the minister and then fight and kill the the heir as you're you know as you are want to do and then um return the crown that had been you know taken to the heir back to the the main city and then there's this like um knight regent that has sort of been running things while they've been preparing for the heir to take power and you convince them that hey you should run things because there is no clear apparent heir and you've been doing such a bang up job that you know you're doing a good job people will trust you to run things um it's it's weird because it's definitely not like a wow where there is this very like from what i can tell this super in-depth lots of lore lots of background you know that that really sort of sinks you in there aren't like we haven't really experienced any cutscenes that have taken me out of the action that have been like okay here's some exposition for you um there have been like there's pages around that you can kind of gather as you see them that do give you some you know regional information area information some important people in history or things like that but I haven't felt compelled to read them. I haven't been told like, hey, you really have to read these because these are important to the story. It feels more like fluff or background material that, you know, is attached to an item or something like that. Um, I'm not playing it for the story. I'm, I'm playing it because it, it originally it started out as a way to hang out with, you know, one of my friends and, and play a game with them that we both enjoy. Um, and then two, it just caught me at the right time where... The league rake season is over. We're going into preseason. I, you know, I ended the year. I still got gold in, in flex queue, so I got the, the victorious Sejuani skin. Hell fucking yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't really want to play league right now. I kind of want to take a break from it, let everybody figure out the preseason stuff, and then, yeah, I'll see you guys in December, like, or January, when it actually is going to start to matter again. And I, I needed something that I could come home from work and after my partner goes to bed that I could play for a couple hours just to unwind. And this just happened to be the game that came across my desk at that moment. That's fair. I'll, you know, two things there. One, uh, I can't say I'm surprised that you don't want to play League right now, given everything <laughs> I've heard about the state of the jungle. I, I heard Yumi can do a full clear now, which is kind of terrifying. Um I, I I don't love where that's going, but you know I'm not playing, so I don't have to. It's fine. It can't hurt me anymore. It can't um, hurt you right now, but maybe <laughs> in a couple of weeks. I I mean I at some point you you learn what games to hold on to and mm -hmm. what games to let go, and I do think that that's a skill because oftentimes. You can get in that sunk cost fallacy like I did with Hearthstone back in the day where yeah. I was playing because it was the game that I was playing rather than because I still loved the direction the game was going and was still having a good time. And I'll be honest, I'm feeling a little bit of that with Legends of Runeterra right now um, because the meta has been trash. Um, but I guess that's the next question for you, Walter, is when do you think you'll be done? Like, what is the point 
at which you feel like you've accomplished what you need from this game? Because it doesn't sound like you're going for the late game. It doesn't sound like you're planning on being one of those full raid characters that gets to the very end. And it doesn't sound like the plot is so compelling to you that you need to see how that resolves. So what is the point at which uh, you feel like you're going to tap out? And has it been worth the amount of money you paid to get in? Because I was under the impression this was a free-to-play MMO like most of them are, but I believe it has an actual upfront cost here. Uh, so I, I'll answer the second question first. Yeah, it was it was like 30 bucks to buy it. I, th I think I actually bought it on sale um, when I, I initially bought it, you know, oh, probably a year plus ago um, when, it, when it came out last September. Um, so I bought it on sale, like, and I would say I put 50 plus hours into it. I've gone back to it. At, you know, I played it once initially, and then I've gone back to it at least once. So I think if you're just talking about like pure money wise, I think it's a, it's a great value. Um, unlike something like uh, World of Warcraft, where you're buying expansions and you're paying your monthly subscriptions and yada, yada, yada. In terms for when I'm done, the first thing that popped into my head is, well, obviously, when I max level my logging, that is clearly the end goal for me because I am a lumberjack and I'm okay. Um, <laughs> but I can't tell you. It probably will be either when I finally get to play the itch to play League again. And to be fair, I only have like one of my friends that actually play League and Amanda only plays it because I play it. So, like, there's a good chance that until the actual next ranked season starts, I might not touch the game. I haven't felt an urge to want to play League of Legends. The, the sort of couple of times that I've come back to it this previous season that just ended was I decided I was really, really bored with playing jungle and I switched to mid lane because I had played a couple of games of ARAM where I got, like, Vex and Nico and some of, like, the newer mid lane champions... <laughs> And I was like, wow, these champions are really fun. I want to try them out. And I had fun playing them in normals. So I was like, cool, I'm a mid laner now. Um, so once ranks, and then obviously coming back from the from the uh, the world championship when I went to the quarterfinals, like I had an itch to play league. The funny thing was me and the the one of the guys that I the guy that I went with, we were joking about like, oh dude, like what if we played like Brom jungle. Like, and all these, like, weird picks. And now that the meta has changed and they've, they've totally fucked up the jungle because Riot has to fuck up the jungle every year. It's literally in their contract with Tencent. I'm like, hey, yeah. maybe I could play attack speed Braum in the jungle. Who fucking knows? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, it, but in terms of this, like, it's probably going to be when I get to that level cap and the game then turns into you need to hop on and go through the dungeons. You need to raid. You need to do this. You like, you want to get, you want to get a gear with better numbers so you can get more gear with better numbers. So then you can get the best gear with the best numbers, stealing the mm -hmm. line from Yahtzee Croshaw about world of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, you asked earlier about like the crafting and everything. And there is a very deep crafting system to it. Um, and sort of the point of that also is like you craft items to either make your items better because you're high enough crafting level that the, the item that you create is better than what you currently have, or you're crafting items to increase your crafting level. So then you can craft items that are stronger than the items that you currently have. 
And just for some weird reason, sitting there and like standing in front of a forge and crafting all of the iron ore that I just spent two hours going in a cycle to pick up and turning it into iron bars and then the, all those iron bars into a lesser number of steel bars and then that steel bar into a lesser number of like adamantium bar or whatever is next in the progression. There's something satisfying about that in a way that something like Minecraft is satisfying of you take a whole bunch of something and you're turning it into something that's a little bit less of something or stardew valley where you're going around and you're like okay i gotta collect all this stuff you know i gotta collect all this iron ore so i can make more sprinklers so that i can automate my farm so then i can automate my farm so that i can stop playing the game because now my farm is automated so there's just something about that progression that's enjoyable and since i've got nothing better to do right now like why not why not fucking just play it and zone out and not really have to worry about anything and not have to like have to pull up a guide to be like all right like i'm playing jungle how do i fucking do this like i'm pulling up a guide because i just want to know the most optimal route to farm iron but now that i've done that you know a couple times in the last few weeks I don't need the map up anymore. Now it's just, I zone out and I just do the route. And then I teleport back to my home base. I dump all the iron into the smelter. I make a bunch of iron bars. I throw that into my storage chest and I'm like, cool, let's fucking do it again. And by the time you know it, it's four o'clock in the morning. You have to wake up at six and, uh, oh my God. <laughs> there my goes dude. your day. My dude. I, you know, it's, it's funny. The Stardew Valley comparison that you, you keep coming back to is an interesting one to me. Because uh, first, I I have not played Stardew Valley the way that y'all have, but I did watch RT Games Let's Play, so I'm pretty sure after you finish automating your farm, you cook meth? That was how he did it, at least. I, I don't know. I a lot seen... of wine and gold bars, and then you go to the place in the desert and you fight the worst monsters ever. <laughs> And you try uh, to get the, to the bottom of the caverns. But yeah, that's kind of where I tend to drop off is at that point where I've got my spouse. I've got all the other relationships maxed out. My farm is automated. I'm making all of this sweet, sweet wine. And there's nowhere else to go. See, my personal favorite playthroughs of Stardew have been Call Me Kevin did one where he spent an entire year on his farm and only went into town the first of spring and then he had to adjust it because like he couldn't get certain things because like the first of spring is a monday and some of the stores are closed on mondays so Mm -hmm. but like that's what he did he just stayed on his farm for a year and it's like let me make as much money as i can and then based on how much money i make like now i can go buy things that i need and i have not played a lot of stardew valley personally but as someone who has so much stardew valley (laughs) As someone who has watched other people play a lot of it, my partner or call me Kevin, whoever, like I understood enough of the mechanics that I'm like, oh my God, Kevin, this is so frustrating. Like this would be so much better if you literally had like two things. And then one time he forgets one of the things he needs and it's like, oh, this is even worse. (laughs) This is so frustrating. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. I have played hundreds. I have played hundreds of hours of Stargate. It, it is a game I've like... sunk a lot of time into. <laughs> it is quite the looking, journey, but... Looking back on my life, oh, goodness. 
It's okay. I've sunk like a thousand hours into Elder Scrolls Legends, which no longer exists. So I think you're fine. <laughs> I think we all we all make our choices in this crazy world. But Walter, I have a choice to ask of you. Would you recommend New World? Yes? Question mark? That was a pause. What a pause. <laughs> because... I feel like, like, I don't want to say, if you don't like MMOs, play New World, because it's not like an MMO. Because, like, it is an MMO. I would say if you have a bunch of friends that want to play it, then sure, make a game night of it, and, you know, all of you guys get on together and play, and you'll find, I'm pretty sure you'll find something in here that you enjoy. Um, I, I, like, didn't even, like, talk about the game much itself, but, like, the combat, it's third person like for honor slash smite like hack and slash or your like ranged attack you have to aim which is kind of unusual for the mmo space but i actually really like i i find it a lot more fun and engaging than like click on something click a bunch of keys on your keyboard and then it dies like you actually have to have some skill and there's like dodging and rolling and things like that you can do but i also understand like for some people that kind of gameplay just isn't going to be a lot of fun especially if you want to play something where you like veg out zone out and and don't want to stress like combat is a little bit stressful like you don't you kind of snap out of that zone out trance if you have to fight anything and that's okay um I don't think that the story is anything to like really write home about. I think it's pretty standard, but yeah, if you've got a bunch of friends that want to try it, like give it a shot. If you want to play it by yourself, give it a shot. Like it's a game that I feel like if you give it a little bit of time, you'll find something that you enjoy. It could be, you like to actually fight things. You like kind of the complexity of the combat and there's a whole bunch of different you know items and, and weapons that you can use and fine-tune your combat style there's sword and shield there's a rapier there's a, a you know giant a great sword there's giant axes there's hatchets there's bow and arrow there's muskets there's a blunderbuss there's a variety of magic firing you know implements whether it's a light you know healing life staff or whether it's uh, ice gauntlets like there's a lot of variety and things that you can try and for the most part like you can spend quite a bit of time figuring out exactly what you like and you can keep respecking i want to say up until like level 30 for free but then once you're over level 30 you just have to like pay gold and then you're allowed to respec in certain places i i think don't quote me on that but you can find something to enjoy about it and maybe you know, that's enough for a few hours. But if you don't like it, like, okay. It's one of those things where you can always come back to it. Once you've bought it, it's not like a subscription where you have to, like, turn it off and turn it on and turn it off and turn it on. Like, it's... How, how much is it right now? It's, like, 30 bucks? It's 40 bucks. And, you know, you can always come back to it. Just like any other video game. You don't have to give... I was going to say you don't have to give Activision money, but you have to give Amazon money, which might be a little, uh, <laughs> a little iffy. Yeah. But like, Pros I'm having and fun cons. I'm glad you're having a good time with it, my friend. Um, I have a game that I had a great time with and that Kristen is also having a good time with. Potionomics. Kristen... I'm going to ask you here, what drew you to Potionomics beyond me saying, Kristen, you need to play this game? Because Uh, certainly that happened. You said that. 
And then I, I looked into this game and it kind of, so to, to preface kind of what potionomics is, is a management, it is a resource management sim as well as a relationship management sim, but also a card playing game. You're goddamn right it is. And that was really like the escalation there. It's like, okay, I, like a potion shop management. Like that's pretty cool. I like cool. that. Like, that's cool. Oh, there's a, a dating sim? Like that's great. Oh my God, there's a card game. I, I am done. like, done. you really like card games. You probably like card games more than I do, but I really freaking love card games. Um, In this combination of things, the fact that also like with the romance options, it can be like, the romance options are very good. There's a whole spectrum of people. Um, it's um, that very much appealed to me. I really liked the art style when I was googling before I was gonna put down money for the game. The art style is very fun. Um, I just—that's what kind of called out to me at the beginning. Before I got it and, like, after I heard, oh, my God, Kristen, you have to, like, look into this game. That's what I got. It is. The art is fantastic for this. Uh, there's a lot of, like, little touches. The the 2D portraits whenever you're, like, looking through the characters so when building your cute. decks. The 3D designs, like, the little animations. Um, you know, I, something that's very important uh, is that our main protagonist is a... A young woman who inherits this potion shop and the debt that comes with it from her uncle, who definitely isn't the mysterious owl that lives in the potion shop when you first arrive. And gives her potion making tips. Yes, and she happens to know everything about running a potion shop. Even though, to be frank, didn't seem to be good at it before Sylvia well, arrived. He, he knew, I think he knew what he was doing potions-wise, he just kind of made some bad business deals. He made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, and I, I don't, I think you might learn a couple more of them as, because you did not finish the game. Spoiler no, alert. I will, I will say I have not finished this game. Um, not yet. I will because I'm very much enjoying it. I will say mm -hmm. one of the things about this game is you can absolutely like make the wrong decisions. And you might have to undo, at a couple of points in the game, several hours of what you have just done because you realize, oh, I didn't fully understand this thing, or I've been working with something and it's actually not the best thing for me. Let me just go back a couple of days. And while that sounds very annoying, I gotta say with the, the saving system that the game has, it's not the worst thing. It's a really good autosave system because it saves at the start of every game, uh, every day, which is great. And your days, of course, to give you an idea of like the actual gameplay loop here, right? It starts with building potions, which you make by having ingredients. And every potion has its own recipe and every ingredient has a kind of type to it, A, B, C, D, or E. And every recipe has a ratio of two or three of those letters that have to be combined together. So you're trying to get a potion that is as close to the perfect ratio as possible, 
while also having as many points, i.e. the highest quality ingredients that you can afford and that your uh, pot can handle, your cauldrons, as yeah. you are brewing them. Cauldrons, of course, that you need to upgrade over time, though honestly, uh, the upgrade system is kind of superfluous. We'll put a pin in that. Um, but you can certainly buy better ones and continually upgrade your shop. You upgrade the shelves that you put the potions on because you need to lure people into the store uh, through uh, highlighting a few in your store window and then selling a bunch of others that you have. Uh, the higher quality the potion, the more gold it's worth. And the more gold you have, the more money you can spend on, well say... Sending people out on expeditions to get you rare resources that you might not be able to find. Or buying more resources from the, the ingredient shop that is run by a uh, non-binary, uh, very sick of all of your shit uh, wizard friend who's very fun. I love them. Um, Quinn is fantastic. Um, you know, all, every everything you can do in this game has a character attached, right? You want to go to ex get some... Ingredients, uh, well, Baptiste, the guild master, who is very much your, your like, kind of super suave stereotype, uh, the rich, out-of-touch uh, stereotype, um, but, but trying his best. And at the end of his storyline, uh, does uh, overthrow the capitalist system that's set up in the guild in order to uh, create a, a workers-owned uh, uh, guild hard. setup. Which is very, yeah, he, he grows. It's great. That's All so the characters nice. do. Um, but you've got Muktak, the very enthusiastic walrus friend with real dad energy. Um, he's Saffron. Your, he's your crafter. He's your crafter. Saffron's your, like, upgrader. She, uh, she'll make sure that you have, like, more space or more cauldrons or more shelf space um, and is very chill. Um, you have your marketer in Luna. You've got your... Uh, you know, a couple of your first bosses actually end up becoming allies, including the demonic Roxanne. And of course, you have people who go out and do adventures for you to go get ingredients like Mint or Corsac or Zid, who's my favorite. Zid is the, the bard here in this game. Uh, and you can kind of help train them to go out and get stuff for you from various locations as well. An important so, thing to note there with with the adventurers is that you have to give them potions to increase their health, their stamina, or overcome certain obstacles in the different places that you send them to. Like certain areas will have certain like bosses with uh, fire damage. So you might want to give them a fire tonic or something like that to help them overcome that and to get to the final boss, because that'll mean that they make it farther, they get more um, they get more different types of ingredients, they get rarer ingredients, they might even pick up some fuel for the cauldron that makes your potions come together more quickly. Um, it's, it's a big, I will say, it's a big game of like balancing certain yes. aspects, and there's the, definitely the a learning curve with every new thing they throw at you. 
the elements are all intertwined because you need to make sure that you're making enough of the potions that are needed for the adventures. But every time that you're making those potions, it means that you're not making a potion that you can then sell in order to make extra money. And you need that money because you need to upgrade your building so that you have more space for more cauldrons so that you can brew more things and you need more uh, space for shelves so that you can sell more things because you need that gold. Um, and you also, of course, uh, need to buy the ingredients to make the potions. And all uh, of that takes time. And we haven't gotten to the dating sim element. We of have it not yet. even gotten to the dating sim element, but we also haven't even said where the card game element comes in. Oh, yes. Well, that would be the haggling process, of course. Because yeah. you have to sell those potions. You got to sell those uh, potions. And you're, you've got a deck with cards that you gain from improving your relationships with different characters that you build in order to bump up the price of your potions that you're trying to sell. Um, but also like customers can throw stress your way, which can really compound quickly. Um, and it's, and then. Every point of stress gives you, you uh, a, uh, higher percentage chance of you know, the card you would draw from your deck turning into a stress card, which leads to even more stress. So you have to at some point be like, you know what? I can't take this damage. I'm just ending the sale early. I yeah. accept that I'm not going to make as much gold as I can, but I cannot allow this stress to overtake my character uh, because then I will only draw more stress cards and everything is going to snowball into disaster. Um, it's happened and- to me a couple of times. And then if you're not in a competition, which I'll explain in a minute, the game will just make you take the rest of the day as a rest if you reach 100% of stress, which is nice. But resting also, because you can rest at any point during the day and basically fast forward the day, that will get rid of a certain amount of your stress. Yes, though it's almost always better to de-stress by talking to uh one of the uh many people around town in order to build up that relationship because Mm -hmm. then you're doing both um it's only mildly less efficient especially once you've gotten to like rank four and you've gotten like the 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 two hours spent you you end up eventually like it's as efficient uh by the end uh to just do it that way and so and and of course as you level up the relationships, you unlock better cards for your deck. So you need to spend time building up those relationships, at least for the characters whose deck archetypes you like. And I will say maybe one of the first flaws of the game uh, that is worth pointing out here is that these are not balanced archetypes, like even remotely. Um, Zid, who is, I think, both of our favorites, if... Uh, if I may She's be so bold, Kristen. One one of my favorites. I have a hard time picking a favorite at this point still. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, so you have not locked in who you're dating then? No. Because you can only date one person, and once no. you're locked, you're locked. I'm um, like, I'm, I'm Zid or Saffron or Quinn, but also mm-hmm. Mint. I like Mint. It's hard. Well, and, and like, I mean, Mint is adorable too, because it's important to note that this game is very queer in all of the best ways. Like, yeah. even when you have the male-female relationships, it is still a very queer game overall. It ain't, it ain't uh, great. And the writing is fantastic as a result. You can see there's a lot of love put into this game, a lot of passion for both the characters and for 
these kinds of relationships. And there was a lot of effort put into making each of the events uh, matter and, and, you know, give you those character moments that you could really connect with. There's a mild interactive element where you get like answers to pick uh, and you have to pick the right one if you want to build up your relationship. Um, but ultimately, you know, no matter what you do, you're still going to have these interesting character moments. Um, but luckily, Kristen, all of the characters you picked, and they're mostly the same characters I focused on. I was Zid, Saffron, Quinn for sure. Um, all of them are by far the best characters in the game. Mm-hmm. Um because Zid gives you a lot of cheap cards and a lot of card draw. And since every customer has a limited amount of patience, which is essentially kind of the mana system in this game, when it hits zero, they just leave without buying your potion. Um, You need uh, to be able to do stuff for cheap, and you need to be able to draw enough cards that you can hopefully win a haggle session before you even take stress damage back in the first place. Like, that's... Essentially, by the the fourth and fifth weeks, that was the only way I was ever handling it. If I I couldn't sell right away, I like I would basically just uh, quit out, accept the lower gold cost, and just make sure that that stress didn't pile up because of how dangerous it can be, especially early on in these sales. But Zid gives you so much reliability to do so. There's a clear engine built there. Uh, Saffron is very much a great defensive tool. You need to deal with that stress, and Saffron's one of the very few characters in the game that can actually give you cards that address that problem. And Quinn has some really good cards early. Um, They get a little bit more situational towards the end, but early on, it's some really cheap, consistent card draw while also dealing damage. Um, And of course, salt and pepper, I'll throw out there as well, because anytime you get a card that gives you option A or option B, uh, those of you who have ever played Magic the Gathering or really any trading card game uh, will immediately recognize the power of versatility. And salt and pepper give you that with almost all their cards. But then there's the other ones. Um, Luna's deck pool is a fucking disaster. It's not great. it's all about giving yourself stress in order to have a mild one-time payoff that is in no way worth it um, for what you're trying to do. Like, the the rank 7 card is a 3 patience card that increases your stress by 5 and then raises your interest by 5 for every 4 points of stress you have. One, last thing you want to be doing with that high of a stress to, like, get value out of it is to play a 3-cost card and two, what do you do after that? Right. Congratulations, you got a one-time interest raise. Now what? You're screwed. It's it's so weird. Um, Very weird. I will say, fear, uh, what is it? Fury of the Squirrel? Ferocity mm-hmm. of the Squirrel? Yes. It's a, it's a good card. We have not highlighted that card. It is fantastic. And it's the first card that Corsac gives you. And then you never need another Corsac <laughs> card. Because Adapt ends the stance, and there's no reason to end the stance, because getting two interest every time you play a card is way more effective than a one-time boost, and then you better draw the card again if you want to have that value. And so many of your other cards that he has are stances that would supersede the ferocity of the squirrel, which you never want to do. So, like, don't get me wrong, if you go to the very end, he gives you a great card, uh, lessons from nature is his max rank card draw a card increase interest by 10 and gain three shield for two patients very effective but you have to get there 
You gotta um, get there. And it's Walter. just not... Walter, yes. I wonder, after hearing all of this, and when we initially told you what game we were playing, and we sent you photos, what what are you thinking? I'm thinking this might be the chasiest chase game <laughs> that has ever chased. <laughs> Correct. And I say that with the most amount of love in my heart for you, Chase. I'm <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not. I'm not being sarcastic. I, I'm. I'm being very honest. Like this definitely seems like a game where they're like, "Hey, so there's this guy Chase, and he likes. Listen, listen. He likes card games. He likes relationship games, and he likes management sims. And he's a really a sucker for good art style." Mm-hmm. Let's throw all that into a game and just sell it to him. And and it sounds like you're doing all the marketing that they need, Chase. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're suggesting it to your friends because you loved it so much. Talking about like the actual... Because the, the economics of the game, it does sound like there is a lot of balancing and, and quick kind of maths in your head. Do you feel that the the individual components to the game do they feel separate or does it or do they really flow together and it doesn't feel like you're playing different games in different parts of it does it all really kind of come together or does it feel very like you're in this room so you're doing this thing you're in this room so you're doing this thing you're doing this room so you're doing this thing I, I mean, I was going to let you take this one, Kristen, because okay. I will not stop. If you let me go on this, That's I have fine. a lot of thoughts. About no, I got to say, too. it does actually feel very intertwined to me. Um, like, as things are happening, as, like, I am learning what potions I need to make for the upcoming competition, what ingredients I need, there will also be events that happen, like, throughout the days where it's like, oh... Um, this area has been um, stripped of its of its ingredients. So, if you send ex- adventurers out, it's the they're going to render less loot, but the monsters are not going to be as tough. Um, the The price of those ingredients from certain regions will decrease, but sometimes, based off of other events, items of a certain type like flesh or fungi will cost more, but maybe for that area that they come from, adventurers that go there will have stronger monsters to face, but better um, ingredient in loot drops. So it, I feel like it does a very good job of intertwining most aspects of the game. I think they do a better job of intertwining certain aspects than others. Like, I have hardly used Luna, the marketer. I've used her, like, once or twice. Roxanne, as well, is someone who, until very recently, I used once because she will get rid of negative aspects of your potions or, like, produce a positive trait to your potions, and that is affected by, like, what ingredients you use because, like, some ingredients will have the quality that you need like it's an a ingredient but it might like taste bad or smell bad and it will impart that to the potion and decrease its cost 
she can mask that for a fee. But then also you can take, this is something that Chase and I were talking about that they have only just recently fixed. We were saying like, oh my gosh, you can take these special orders, but you have to have these specific traits for these potions. And Roxanne's ability doesn't affect the potions that you would give for like special orders. And then they only just recently changed it to where you can, because basically like Chase was telling me and I was struggling with this, like, wow, I'm really not fulfilling any of these special orders for potions that I'm getting that would give me like a ton of gold for potions that I'm already making because they're not fulfilling these traits. It's it. The cost is your real lifetime. Like, yeah, it absolutely. You- it. I spent a couple of just like full days of my days off playing this game because it took the time. Well, and and to be clear, like to, like this kind of management game, right? Like it's meant to take a little bit of time to get things just right. But the amount of time you have to spend to get the custom orders right, because you need to make sure that you not only have the ratios you need, but that you also have every trait you need so that you have to make sure that you're adding every individual trait and also that uh, avoiding the negative versions of those traits, which would cancel out the potion. There's so many more details you need to focus on with that. It gets so much more specific in terms of what you need to pull that off. And you can't really sort ingredients in Quinn's shop. It will only appear in the order at which you added them to the shop. So if you're looking for a specific thing because you need to hit this trait, you're going to be spending a lot of time in the shop trying to maximize like, oh, Mm -hmm. like which of these ingredients is the thing that I should be spending my money on in order to maximize my custom order potential. And so my answer was, I just said, well, fuck it. And I stopped doing them. I just didn't do custom orders like the last three weeks once they started needing more than two trades. It's like I... I could spend the time on this. I, I already played the game for about 35 hours, um, give or take a, a couple that I might have just had it running in the background. Mm-hmm. I would have had to take another 10 hours just trying to maximize the efficiency of my potions if that was something that I wanted to do, if I wanted to make sure I could fill those custom orders. Um, and And that's really like when the game works at its best, it hums so smoothly. You get the like the relationship angle meshing with the things that each character does because you can get discounts uh, at their store or the, whatever their, their service is um, once you have gotten to a certain level, which makes it easier to then uh, continue to build that up. And especially once you start getting more gold per potion, um, if you're smart about saving up your resources to buy the new type of cauldron as soon as the next 10 day period starts um you're able to uh snowball in a way that is very fun and satisfying i did not have the reset problem that kristen described because uh, a lot of these interlacing parts felt very natural to games i had played in the past and so all of it just kind of clicked I think I like started once back in like the second uh, competition because I hadn't realized the importance of some of the building upgrades. But once I took that into account, it was the same formula every week, just at a bet at a bigger scale and with more details that you needed to kind of focus on as yeah. each 
kind of competition and added another mechanic to keep in mind. And the problem is the stuff that just doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. you mentioned Luna marketing really like it can help a little bit, but you have to spend that extra time planning it out to get the majority of the value from it. And it's up to random chance whether the offers that she has are going to be things that you can actually take advantage of with the potions that you're making. So oftentimes it's just not worth it. Now I could see the Roxanne enchantments being worth it, but before when it wasn't applying to your potions. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And even now you're not going to buy what, like three different enchantments every day. So mm -mm. it only mm -mm. gets you so far. Um, I will so also, I will also say like, I was re I, it felt like I was resetting basically every week cycle. So the game is like split up through these five weeks for these, the weeks culminating in like different comp, stages of a competition for potion making so that you can pay off the debt that your uncle left you for the shop. Um, and it really felt like I was restarting after multiple days progress, like every time after a competition cycle, unfortunately. And I don't know if that was just me not getting it all gelling quite right or just not being like super not getting how all of these mechanics intersected. I don't think it was time lost. Like I'm not mad that I had to restart that many times because I really have been enjoying the game. But it also does feel like there's just a little, it is pushing the boundaries of the number of things and relationships that you need to juggle in the day. It doesn't feel like, enough time to handle everything it throws at you and, and i wish record, i had that time because i want i want to be maxing out these relationships i don't want to have to be worried about making enough money versus spending time with like my favorite character and i i get that that was part of the tension of the game but it feels at least where i have been at for a lot of it like a decision that i have been having to to make and like make in the favor of making money instead of spending time with the characters I really enjoy. That was the part that really hurt me the most. Um, it's the only achievements I don't have are the ones where it's like have three, seven or all 10 characters maxed out by the end. I have no idea how in the world you would pull that off. Um, given the amount of other things that you need to balance. And for the record, Kristen, uh, if you go to the Steam Discussions board, you are going to see a lot of people describing this game as unforgiving. Uh, and every balance patch that has come out since the game's release has been designed to make the game a little bit easier than it was the patch before. So it's definitely like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think if I were to guess why it clicked with me in a way that I think a lot of other people have had to reset and, and struggle with in places, uh, it's because I just ignored several core mechanics. I didn't let it distract me. I had my few things I was going to do and I maximized my efficiency on those things. And that was enough. And on the one hand, I want to give some credit to the game that like I could play the way I wanted and it would work out. But it also seems like the more it threw at people, the more distractions piled up that could prevent people from seeing those avenues that you need to find in order to be successful 
Um, so there's a blessing and a curse angle to that. I I do. I, I do think a lot of it comes down to the fact that they had the dating sim element to it, which I love because the characters are fantastic. And I think every character has a really good story here. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if some of these mechanics and some of these like deck archetypes that don't really make sense were born out of the idea of, well, we have this character. They have to do something like there needs to be some mechanic attached to this character rather than here's a character to attach to the mechanic. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, I totally get that. Um, and I understand the impulse, but I think other dating sims, I mean, while they might be more dating sim heavy, not every character has to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, because in trying to give every character a purpose, there were characters that still just had next to no purpose for me. It was, it was, and, and that's a shame. Like, because, again, all of the characters are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The storylines are wonderful. You want to spend more time with them. You want to have the freedom to do so. And instead, what ended up happening is when I finished the game, I went back and I had to start at day 42 and I ignored the game and I maxed out a single character relationship so I could see what the romance looked like and finish out their story. And then I reset back to day 42 and I did it again. And I kept doing that until I saw every character's full storyline. And I really shouldn't have had to. Like, if you're doing the dating sim angle, that's not the player pattern that you would ultimately hope for, at least in my opinion. You you want it to be much more like a, a game I've talked about previously on this podcast, Max Gentleman Sexy Business. <laughs> Max Gentleman Sexy Business is a game in which the upgrades... And the story progression that you unlock is directly tied to achievements that you make in the game and some progress that you make in some of the mini games that come up. It's not necess- it's not nearly as robust in terms of some of the management angles. And I-, I think Potionomics ultimately does a better job with the amount of layers that it throws at you. And each individual mechanic certainly has its strengths on its own. Um, but there is that disconnect. I think, between the dating sim aspect and the everything else aspect. And some of that, I'm sure, is to increase playability for an indie game that ultimately ends at day 50. Like, what this game is screaming for, and would have fixed at least a few of the problems that we've talked about here, is an endless mode, where you Mm -hmm. just... Keep running the potion shop and make it as big as you can be and just have a couple like late game, like super like, like, you know, max out a a percentage buff that you give, you know, double your potions double if you get this super cauldron that you have to unlock by doing these things. And it wouldn't have taken a lot, but we would have had time to then spend with the rest of the characters and, and really felt like we had a thing worth investing that extra time in rather than feeling like the game is almost holding you hostage if you don't do this thing. Yeah, um, and I would really love an endless mode. Like, we spoke maybe last week about, like, would you go back and replay this game? And you said no, because I've seen all the stuff, because I, I went back to, like, day 42 and watched it all. And this is a game where I feel like if it had an endless mode and made a couple of tweaks, like a Darkest Dungeon, like a Stardew Valley... I could go back to this game and play it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Like it has that kind of 
playability loop, that gameplay loop in it that I really enjoy that makes me want to keep coming back for more. There's so much it gets right. And there's a reason I've bragged about it to so many different people that I have convinced to purchase this game um, because I have been, <laughs> I have been a mini marketing wing uh, for this game, um, at least to my immediate friends. I, I do. We, we should, I guess, talk about the competitions real quick because we haven't yet. Um, they're just kind of your culmination of the end of the week. You have specific potions that you need to brew and they need to be of at least a certain quality to have a chance in the competition or you'll just lose automatically. Um, it'll be compared up against an enemy potion, the the competitor that you face, uh, which be increasingly the ridiculous characters. The competitor uh, of the week, essentially. Yes. One um, of them is a, a shark mob boss man. Yes, the shark mob boss was very good. Uh, the random Egyptian, like, the Egyptian character was a little interesting. Like, it, they went with the whole, like, Amazon style of, like, she had drones that could deliver packages and it was very like mass production is going to solve everything and people will settle for what's cheapest and fastest, which like, I mean, she's, she's not wrong. Um, your counter arguments in that game feel weak um, based on how the real world works. But mm -hmm. I love that at least here we get to beat capitalism a little bit uh, in the game in which you are constantly selling things to pay off a debt that will literally eat your soul if it doesn't. Uh, get paid off so you know pros and cons pros and cons but you make them with love or yes a desire to not have your soul eaten yeah and, and the criticism of the system <laughs> you're forced to engage with matters throughout like this game uh makes that point i think pretty clear pretty consistently um but like the first two competitions i ended up winning automatically my potions were so much better than the base mm -hmm. level that i just won um after that, it was always a, um, a uh, negotiation, which uses the same haggling mechanics, uh, except the judge has a much larger pool of patience, and your opponent ends up doing a lot more stress damage on average each turn, which is where the game, again, that flaw in the card design angle of it really comes to a head because the mechanics are fantastic. And when you find a deck that works for you, it feels really satisfying. But there's an, there's an objectively correct answer as to what deck that you should play. The meta for this game is very easy to solve because you need to avoid stress because stress snowballs so badly. So what do you do? Well, you play the deck that draws a lot of cards and allows you to not be stressed. That's it. Just draw as many cards as you can, get as much interest as you can, ignore everything else, and you'll probably win the competitions just fine. Um, I did like in the final boss, uh, which I'm not going to go into all the details on because Kristen hasn't played it yet, and I would like those of you at home to play it. This game's very, very good, despite the, the quibbles that we have with it. Um, they actually make you redo the second part of the boss battle. The, the boss is basically like, that's a fluke. I'm going to rewind time and make you do it again, but harder this time. Um, and it feels genuinely satisfying when you pull it off. I, I thought it was kind of a, a cute moment there. Um, but it, it really speaks to this game. A lot of these issues, I'm sure, come down to it is an indie game that allocated its budget where it made the most sense. And as a result, 
you have a game brimming with potential that has so much that you can love about it. And just a few things that you're like, man, if they had like maybe three more months, six more months, uh, more uh, an ability to test some of these things out a little bit smoother to balance out some of these these rougher edges, it would be perfect. As it stands, it's great, but it could have been even better. And it's a shame that that's true because I love this game and I want more people to love it too. Um, but those little naggling things do keep up. Yeah. But you still totally recommend it for literally everyone you know and love to play. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I can't more clear about this. The story is fantastic. Uh, it's very silly and very fun and very queer, which are all wonderful things to be. Um, it's, and if you like management sims, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For some people, the idea of like, oh, you have to spend extra time in order to get it just right is not going to be a turnoff in the slightest. Like, I wish I had the free hours in order to maximize my efficiency on the custom orders uh, mm -hmm. instead of feeling like I had to, to rush through because I wanted to get to the next game I'm going to talk about on Steam Cleaners, whatever that ends up being. Um, but like some people, this will just be your game and you can just invest all the way in and you'll get into that rhythm. And maybe you'll be like Chris and you'll have to reset a couple times, but resetting is easy enough. And once you figure out that method, hopefully you end up getting into the same kind of groove that I was able to find and the game all kind of falls into place. Um, I do recommend it. I, I think Potionomics 2 will be even better. And I really hope there's a Potionomics 2. I want a Potionomics God. 2 so bad. Or DLC. I'll take yes. DLC. If you want to give me DLC. I'll take either, both, whatever they want to give. Whatever they are able to give. Absolutely. Um, and we hope you will give this podcast uh, a positive review. Either... I mean, I, I think we still do reviews on iTunes. It does get fed there somehow. So I'm sure there is a way to review the podcast. But you can also just say kind words to us on social media, which, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Listen, until the day it dies, I will be on Twitter, <laughs> at C80s underscore LOL. Uh, Chase didn't ask me what's going on in my life, so you will find photos of kittens there. <gasps> oh my god, what? I, I will... I have, I, we have adopted two six month old kittens. So I am sure until the last breath of Twitter leaves my body, uh, there will be photos of cats on there doing what cute things when I'm not working all week. And what are their time names? Their names are Peanut and Jasmine. Oh my God. Fantastic. They are adorable. And Kristen, as, as your pay, not an exposure for coming on. <laughs> I will send you some photos. Uh, Thank once you. We hop, hop I out need of them. <laughs> uh, but that being said, you can also follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod on Twitter. Um, you know, beyond that, if it does look like Twitter is going to die at any moment, uh, I'm sorry. 
Find us in I, Facebook. I think we still have a Facebook. I don't know. It might be there somewhere. Uh, but you should keep listening to the podcast, even if Musk destroys the internet. Uh, podcast, obviously, the the separate feeds uh, for the gaming podcast, Steam Cleaners, and Final Cut, the movie podcast. Or you can listen to both of them when they come out every other week on the Rough Drafts podcast feed. Chase, uh, Kristen. Where can the good folks at home find you? So, also, like you, I am still on Twitter at KPinolo and Instagram at KPinolo. I am trying to figure out Mastodon. If anyone wants to help with that, that would be fantastic, but those are the places you can find me. I accept photos of kittens, also. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can find me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. And before we go, I should let you know, Walter and everyone at home, that Salt and Pepper, the Cat Pirates, have a theme song that goes something like meow, 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 meow. It's very important that everyone knows that at home. The music so, is very now good. Now I get DMCA'd. <laughs> The music's very good. If the uh, DMCA people come and get us, it's been a good ride. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks. So until then, goodbye, Internet.